Good morning. It's 11 minutes before 8 a.m. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today's Wednesday, September 27th, 2023. I'm Peter Apathy with Raven News. The Sitka Assembly awarded thousands of dollars in grant funding to several local nonprofits last night. Each year, the Assembly distributes grants for nonprofits from the General Fund through a program established in 2006. Eight organizations applied this year, requesting more than double the available funds. Rather than making nonprofits compete for the lion's share, each Assembly member lists his or her recommendations for distributing the money across the board. They then take all seven Assembly members' lists and average them together to determine how much money each nonprofit will receive. The largest grant went to Southeast Alaska Independent Living, followed closely by Braveheart volunteers, each with about $8,000. Sitka Counseling, Alaska Arts Southeast, Outer Coast, the Sitka Music Festival, Sitka Trailworks, and the Greater Sitka Chamber of Commerce also received awards. In all, the Assembly doled out $45,000 across the eight organizations. We'll have more coverage of the Sitka Assembly meeting on Raven News tonight at 518. Attendees of the Southeast Conference in Sitka last week devoted the better part of an afternoon to the transportation outlook for the region, and for the first time in recent memory, it wasn't all bad news. The infusion of federal transportation dollars into the marine highway system, along with infrastructure funding, are helping regional officials see better times ahead. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. meeting of the Southeast Conference, and almost every single one of them arrived by air. It's no wonder that Alaska Airlines won kudos from the group. On top of expanding passenger and cargo routes in Southeast, Regional Vice President Marilyn Romano said the airline had contributed half a million dollars to local causes and had flown in equipment this summer that helped a team free two humpback whales entangled in crab pots. And it's introduced another salmon-themed aircraft, likely to become even more beloved than the old Salmon 30 Salmon, which was retired earlier this year. What I personally believe is, is one of the most beautiful airplanes in any fleet of any carrier. Hot Kwani, or Salmon People, was painted by Juno artist Crystal Worrell, who also painted Sitka's outdoor basketball court. Most of the Southeast Conference transportation panelists were federal and state agency people, and in Southeast Alaska, ferries remain a major focus as the system has faced significant challenges over the past two decades and is working to reverse declines that have made travel on them less reliable than in the past. Milo Booth is the Director of Tribal Governmental Affairs for the U.S. Department of Transportation, He said Senator Lisa Murkowski's and Secretary Pete Buttigieg's unscheduled trip on the ferry between Juneau and Haines made the argument for marine transportation. He spent four and a half hours on that ferry, and I thought, this is the perfect experience in southeast Alaska. It's raining like hell. We're socked in. We can't take a flight to Haines. Let's get on a ferry and get there. And we did. And I thought he was better for it, at a minimum, more aware about it. Senator Murkowski guided $270 million in federal funding to the Alaska Marine Highway System last year. And the Department of Transportation is developing a plan to overhaul the aging fleet. Marine Director Craig Tornga said a plan was needed because there had never been one. Ships should be retired and replaced after 30 years and should be able to serve the same routes. The current system was a mix of vessels and facilities and didn't make sense. 
Uh, right now we have a lot of one-offs, so it makes it pretty difficult. This boat can't go here, this one can't go there. And, and so, and we have different dock. Um, even the Alaska class ferries that were just, uh, well, I think they were built in 17 or 18. Uh, they can't go to a lot of the docks that we need them to go to. And so we have to make dock changes. And so that's what we want to change, is have a standardization across the fleet. Toronga said the Marine Highway would have its first long-range plan in place by the end of next year. The other pressing issue for the system is staffing. The Marine Highway has seven operational vessels, but only enough people at times to run five. And some personnel were giving it their all to make that happen. He said one mariner had just completed five straight months aboard ship. Speaking from the audience, Dan Tuhig, vice president of the International Organization of Masters, Mates, and Pilots, suggested that the decline of the ferry system was a barrier to entry for new employees. He spent his 20s and 30s in Sitka and Southeast riding the ferries. Nowadays, the modern workforce was not having that same introduction to maritime careers. The only way to really attack that is for the the employers that own the ships, that own the, own the ferry system, that own the, the experience that we have for these kids to get on the ships when they're young, figure out how cool it is, and then take the steps that they need to make it a career and go forward from where we are and find the workforce of our future. Not all of the transportation panel was devoted to ferries. Christopher Goins is the South Coast Regional Director for the Alaska Department of Transportation. He's brought an optimistic, upbeat attitude to his position, a survival skill, perhaps, since transportation projects in Southeast are fraught with obstacles. One in particular in Sitka is especially difficult. I was just out with uh, some folks yesterday on Catlin Bay Road, and we were looking at well, what can we potentially open in the very near future. And so we're making an assessment of that, and we think we can open a portion of that. That job has been one of the most challenging of my career, just with the, the amazing terrain. Um, but we're making progress uh, towards that, and we know it can be built. Goen said DOT was going to be spending $200 million on projects across the region from Yakutat to Ketchikan, including $50 million on the Chilkat River Bridge in Haines. He stressed that transportation planners would connect more with communities in the future and work from the ground up. We are trying something new, he said. We want to become a modern DOT. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. Petersburg and Dillingham schools have received over $100,000 each from the U.S. Department of Agriculture to boost student nutrition. In Petersburg, this means that students will see less sugar and salt and more locally sourced foods on the menu. KFSK's Shelby Herbert has more on what Petersburg School District is cooking up with the new funds, which could include salmon eggs. A gulf of difference lies between Petersburg and Dillingham, literally the Gulf of Alaska, and about a thousand miles. But both communities are remote, off the road system. USDA Regional Administrator Jesus Mendoza Jr. says that's exactly why the Food and Nutrition Service program picked him out. A couple of weeks I was in Alaska and I had the pleasure to be able to experience the challenges that Alaska has in the transportation of food uh, going to the remote areas and how if the schools have to be on the barge system, the transportation as to the already high cost of food that exists in Alaska. 
Alaska, we went to some of the stores and I was just amazed to see how the prices of bread, like $9 for a loaf of bread. He says that expensive transportation also limits the quality and variety of foods that the rural schools can use. And by the time the food gets to port, it's already nearing its expiration date. They have a very limited time where they can be used, so they spend a lot of time on the transportation. By the time they get there, they may have to use them right away, or they may be spoiled and unable to use them. Mendoza Jr. hopes sourcing locally might help offset that cost and get better foods on the table. Dillingham schools are using their grant to build a hydroponic tank to grow their greens right on location. In Petersburg, Carly Johnson McIntosh oversees the school district's food program. She says they'll invest the grant in a few projects that'll bring more local foods into the lunchroom, starting right outside, in the school garden, with fruits and veggies the kids grew themselves. And so if a kid grows it and they know that they grew it, they planted it, they're there for the whole life, they're going to be more likely to consume it. So that's um, the goal with school gardens, is to get them in that whole process. But the potential for sourcing local foods extends far beyond the school's garden beds. Mendoza Jr. says he was excited to learn about the possibility of serving up Alaska's traditional foods. Like uh, reindeer or caribou or something like that that they have and you know different areas of Alaska have different uh, local foods. That's another thing that the training through this foundation can help them be able to prepare and make the most out of those recipes. Petersburg students certainly won't find caribou on the menu but they might see salmon eggs soon. McIntosh Johnson is working with Petersburg Indian Association, the local tribe, to get traditional foods in the cafeteria. So they do salmon eggs, seaweed, the gooey duck. We have people that have moved to town and Coast Guard families who probably haven't had some of that. So it's um, it's cool to see different varieties and bringing that into the school and giving kids a taste. But there's a catch. In order to meet the requirements for the grant, Petersburg School District has to cut back on sugar and sodium. This year, McIntosh Johnson's making sure there's less than 1,000 milligrams of sodium in each meal. And so that includes, you know, anything from your milk, your fruit, your vegetable, your main entree, all your condiments that you put on that. If anybody's ever had to do low sodium for heart, the first first bit of it is a little rough. Next year is a sugar reduction year, and McIntosh Johnson expects that'll be an even harder adjustment. But she says making little switches here and there will help Petersburg schools reach that goal. Yeah, they're not going to have some of the, the things that they really like, like like the yammy yogurt. It's a, a favorite of the kids. But the Chabani is actually already approved. And they might be sad at first, but pretty soon it's just going to be habit. If Petersburg students can survive without those extra pinches of salt and their favorite yogurt, not only will they be healthier, but the schools will get their funding for the next two years.